trust me, it's a lot better than having to take them into a vet and having the vet cut down the teeth. There's horror stories of people who have rescued chinchillas whose teeth were so long, they've actually grown up into their eye and they're now blind because the bottom tooth has grown up. And I know that's kind of gross and I apologize for that, but it's, you know, it's something that you do have to watch out for. And if you have one that is always chewing on things, it's a blessing in disguise. about ferrets and other exotic pets. Today I'm talking with my friend Jennifer about chinchillas and various reptiles. So I'm here with my new friend Jennifer who is a geek like me. (laughs) Um, Would you like to share, would you like to introduce yourself please? Sure, my name is Jennifer and I live in Southern California, born and raised, been here my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, And what animals do you have? I have many animals. I have snakes. I have various lizards. I have chinchillas. I also have mm-hmm. cats and a fiance if he counts as a pet. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Lots he, of hair and fighting. Yep. <laughs> yeah, my, my reptiles are more well behaved than he is. Oh, I hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's a joke. It's a joke. Um, Sometimes. So, okay, it's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. Don't come yeah. at me, people. It's a joke. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start with chinchillas because I have never seen a chinchilla. We don't have them in Australia. Um, I might have seen one when I went to Germany in two thousand and two, but I can't be sure if it was a chinchilla. Um, and you told me a, fo- a few cool things about them. Um, the other day when we were at the fun pet chat that I was running. Would you, mind yes, telling me, would you mind telling me about chinchillas and how you look after them? Sure. Um, chinchillas have a lifespan, I believe, of up to maybe 15 to 20 years. They can live a long time if you... It's a long time. A very long time, if you can take proper care of them. Um, you mm. keep them in wire cages. You want to make sure that you have hay and pellets for them. Uh, you can give them occasional treats, but they really, there's a lot of arguments in the community, you know, chinchilla community yeah. about whether or not they can have fruits and vegetables. Some people say no. Sometimes there has been a lot of studies done that, yes, you could give it to them without a problem. Um, some safe treats that you could give them would be wood pellets, um, sorry, not wood pellets, um, rose hips. And also Mm. rose petals that have been kind of dehydrated. Um, Mm. They also will eat bee pollen, which I find kind of funny. I put it in a little container for them and they eat it. Um, Mm. They do not sweat. So you have to make sure they stay at a very cool temperature. Um, How cool? How cool do they need to be? Sometimes it's between 68 and maybe 75. I've heard Mm. some people say that there's no problems getting them up to about 78, but you want to make sure that they don't overexert themselves. They actually do not sweat. Uh, Mm -hmm. You cannot get them wet. Their fur is very dense. 
And what was the name of your, what was one of your names of your chinchillas with that don't get it wet? One of them is Gizmo. Don't get it wet, yes. Don't get it wet. (laughs) And the other one is Yokai. Um, Some people, if, if there is a rare occasion that you do need to get them wet, you have to make sure they are very, very well dried. Their fur actually... Uh, can mold very easily because it's very dense. So they actually take a couple times a week, they, we give them a, a dust bath, which is more Mm -hmm. kind of like the volcanic dust type of a thing. And they get in their little bowl and they roll around in it and things like that and get dust all over the place. But um, they're, you know, they're, they're great little creatures. They're very hyperactive at times. Really? And when they're very young, you want to make sure they're kind of in a smaller cage than they would as an adult because they don't know how to regulate themselves. And sometimes they will literally get almost like a heat stroke running around and being super, super hyperactive. That's ridiculous. (laughs) How do they survive? Come on. I have no idea how they survive. I honestly. Because they're wild animals too, aren't they? Like. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. They chew constantly. Um, Their teeth constantly grow. I believe rabbits are the same way. So Mm -hmm. they're always chewing on things. So if you do take them out of the cage, you have to be very careful with them because they will make a beeline to anything and chew on it, whether it's a wire, you know, a wooden door, which mine has tried to, my earrings, my (laughs) acrylic nails. They like to chew on everything. Mm -hmm. So what do you have to give them so they can chew safely? Um, usually kind of like volcanic stone, Uh, they sell it in stores and things like that. Um, kind Hmm. of like a pumice stone and they chew on those. Um, I have a lot of wood in their cages. They Mm -hmm. have some wood hides that they like to sit in and then chew new holes in, which trust me, it's a lot better than having to take them into a vet and having down the teeth. There's horror stories of people who have rescued chinchillas whose teeth were so long they've actually grown up into their eye and they're now blind oh. because the bottom tooth has grown up and I know that's kind of gross and I apologize no, it's fine. For that, it's fine. but it's you know it's something that you do have to watch out for and if you yeah. have one that is always chewing on things it's a blessing in disguise mm. in disguise yeah <laughs> for sure as long as he's not chewing the drywall or something but um... exactly yeah, I've seen pictures of rabbits chewing on the walls before. Um, so I was going to ask, do you know if in the wild, what happens if it rains? Like, do you know anything about that? Like, Actually, I, I have to say I don't. I know that okay. they are from South America and they live in the Andes Mountains. Yeah, um, so you think they'd have rain there, right? <laughs> I would think there would be some rain that they would deal with. I don't know if maybe they That's go right. under the ground. Um, oh, yeah. That I know they sense. live in, I do know they live in packs. Um, there's usually an Ooh. alpha male and it's kind of funny. Um, a couple of f- stories that I have read and articles about when you're trying to introduce two chinchillas to bond them, you mm-hmm. can bond male and male and you can bond female and female. You really obviously do not want male and female unless one of them's fixed because then you're going to have babies. Yeah. But they talk about doing something called the smush method which I found was kind of a funny, you know, funny way to do this. You take the two chinchillas and you put them in a small cage, mm-hmm. big enough that they can kind of move, but not too large. So, you know, they don't attack each other. And you basically force them to sit together for a few hours. 
Mm. In a cage. (laughs) So they have to get along. Kind of like what our parents used to do when you were fighting with your brothers and sisters. They made you sit (laughs) next to each other. And usually that works. A lot of people have had a lot of success in that. Um, We did that with our two males. And Mm. we don't seem to have too much trouble with them fighting. Um, A lot of playing, but that's normal. Our youngest seems to beat up on the older one a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny and for, you know, some funny information that I found out from a breeder, they said that if I put them together and they, one was bullying the other to trim the whiskers off of the one that's bullying. And I just kind of looked at him and went, what, what is that going to do? And apparently in the wild, as they live in these packs, the alpha male will trim the whiskers of those lower than him, because I guess he who has the biggest whiskers is king in the pack so if one of them starts acting up you just need to trim them and it doesn't hurt they grow back Mm -hmm. and they don't really use it for balance like cats do Mm -hmm. they're just super adorable and play with them and things like that and so I thought that was kind of funny when I went okay you just kind of trim the whiskers and it calms them down a bit I guess yeah I thought that was hilarious when you told me the other day I was just like yeah that's amazing (laughs) yeah kind of like a Samson and Delilah maybe you know where he loses his power because his hair was cut I I guess I'm not sure maybe it's like oh the shame I've got tiny whiskers (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) the shame of it um I don't know but I don't know what they're thinking but that that amuses me that thought yeah (laughs) exactly so you said that they do a lot of playing what do chinchillas do to play chase each other around the cage and crash into everything um they do have some they're kind of, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like these round balls almost, uh, it's not twine. It's like made out of sticks. So it's like safe mm-hmm. for them. And I have seen them. We have these little fleece pillows for them that they like to lay on and sleep on. I'll have to show you a picture of that mm-hmm. later. And sometimes they will carry the pillow up to the second floor, throw it down to the bottom, run down, pick it up and do it all <laughs> over again. They just like to hop around. They like to hop mm. around. Um, the older one, Gizmo, when I open up the cage, he will jump out onto my lap and then he'll turn around and jump back in and then he'll huh. turn around and jump back out again. Sometimes tries to hop up on my shoulder and take off or chew on my gaming chair because, you know, it's there and that's what yep. they do. The other one's a little <laughs> more shy, but he is starting to come out of his shell a little bit. Hmm. That's nice. Um, do people have, uh, like, make chinchilla proof playpins for their chinchillas or some do. do yeah I have seen some where they've taken more of a um like metal like metal grates um mm-hmm. you can put them in something like a plastic or I have a <clears throat> almost like a little dog kennel that's made mm-hmm. out of like that vinyl um I'll put them in that when I'm cleaning their cage because otherwise there's no way to keep them contained and I just yeah. keep an eye on them to make sure they don't chew through them <laughs> You don't want them to have plastic, obviously, and they can't have paper or anything like that. It can get impacted and cause a lot of medical problems. Mm-hmm. So th- a lot of people use maybe a smaller cage to keep them in. Hmm. Um, also, the other day when I was watching you do this, um, you did something that really surprised me, which was grabbing the chinchilla by the base of the tail and holding it up. And I was like, what? Like, yes. <laughs> I, had to, I had to look it up because, like, have I been talking to this lady who's actually just like abusing her chinchillas? Um, yes. I was like quietly Googling in the corner here. Um, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> and it yes. is verified, guys. It's not, it's not just this 
it's not just Jennifer saying it's fine. Um, why do you have to do that? Their fur, because when you look at a chinchilla, they look very, well, as I call mine, a fat little potate. Um, they're fat little potatoes, but yeah. most of that is fur. Their bodies are actually very small. And sometimes when you grab them, it could be a, it could cause a fur slip where it almost as if they drop their fur, not very scientific on the information mm-hmm. on that. I just know that sometimes their fur just kind of, it's almost like it falls out. And okay. so it's safer to grab them at the base of the tail. And when I had taken my gizmo into the vet, for the very first time, I just wanted to make sure he, his teeth were fine because we had mm-hmm. just adopted him. And you usually don't have to take them until there's a problem. Uh, they're not like a cat or a dog that you want to take for a yearly checkup. Yeah. And the vet was looking at him and she said, oh, you know, he looks very good. His teeth is very, his teeth look really good. Uh, make sure he has things to chew on. And then she grabbed him at the base of the tail and kind of held him up. And he just kind of laid there like, what are you doing? And she said, this is the perfect fine way to pick them up. You just grab them at the base of the tail. He doesn't like it. He kind of squirms and tries to get away, but it's a, it's a safe way to have a grip on the chinchilla. So one, because their bones are also so small, if they do a Mm. flying leap somewhere, they could injure themselves really badly. So grabbing them by the base of the tail, although it annoys them is really a safe way to hold them. Yeah, with ferrets, you have to scruff them on the back of the neck sometimes for safety reasons, and it looks it looks really bad too. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> try not to, but it's sometimes you just have to. Sometimes yeah. you have to be the bad guy. Yeah, to keep them safe. Yeah. Um, so why did you end up getting chinchillas? They're a recent thing for you, so I wanted to know what got you into that. Honestly, I am not sure. Um, okay. It's, it's kind of funny to say when I was in kindergarten and first grade, I had the same teacher and I remember that she had a chinchilla in our classroom. Hmm. His name was Mr. Whiskers. Of and course. of course, back then you had nap time after lunch or basically the time that you just kind of laid on the floor on a mat and you just laid quietly yep. and relaxed. Why we stopped doing that as we got older, I will never understand. I would love <laughs> Some countries have got it right. I, exactly. Here in the United States, after work, after lunch, I'd like a little, a little, you know, a little cat nap. Yep. But if we were laying very, very quietly and didn't move, she would let Mr. Whiskers out of the cage and he would hop over us and <laughs> run on us. And it was just fun. I don't know why. Um, there is a local reptile store that we go to where we pick up the food for our snakes and they had two chinchillas and they were both very tame. And one of them just kept coming up to the cage wanting me to hold him. So I know the owner and I asked them, they said, Oh, absolutely. So I took him out and he was just really cute. And I was like, I'm going to, I want to take this guy home. (laughs) And I just, for some reason, I just, okay, no big deal. Didn't think about it. And then about a week afterwards, I called them and I said, hey, do you guys still have it? And they said, no, somebody just picked him up. And I said, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and I went to another pet store and there was a chinchilla and I just looked at it. And it was around Christmas time. <clears throat> and I looked at my fiance and he said, all right, fine. <laughs> I went, cool, thanks. So that's why, that's how we got him. Mm-hmm. So you didn't end up doing any research before you got him or anything like that? <laughs> um, No, not really. Yeah. It's it's bad, but you know, I knew for, well, I shouldn't say I didn't know anything about them. I did know that they chew on everything and you didn't want to have them in a, 
you know, plastic cage. Yeah. So we purchased a metal cage and we put him in that. We bought him the, you know, some of the food just to tide over for a few days. Mm-hmm. And then I went crazy on Chewy and Amazon buying a lot <laughs> A lot of the stuff you don't want to buy from Amazon, such as the toys or the Apple sticks, because you don't really know if that's mm. fully what it is. You know, some of the some of the sellers on there do not tell you exactly what's in it, but there are some very good, um, you know, food pellets and hay and things like that, that Chewy sells or that's on Amazon that, you know, OK, this is a specific brand that is really good for them. Mm-hmm. And um so it was just easy to do that. But Etsy is a really good one to buy because there's a lot of people on there that like make little toys for them and everything else. And plus it's small business. So I like to buy a lot yeah. of the stuff from there. Hmm. Um, so as you're learning about chinchillas, was there lots of um, wrong information given to you or was it all that accurate? Unfortunately, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, getting him from the pet store, there was some inaccurate information. Uh, It wasn't as bad as what I've seen with the reptiles. Unfortunately, it seems the reptiles have a lot more of that misinformation going around when you get them from the big chain pet stores. Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't give us all the right information. Um, We did get some uh, paper bedding for them at first, but because of the cage we had, the bedding was actually below some grates. So it's not like the chinchilla could get to it. So we were okay mm-hmm. on that front. But there was a little bit of inaccurate information given. Yeah. What was the inaccurate information? Do you remember? Um, they told us we could get this big hamster ball and put him in it and let him run around oh. in it. And I found mm-hmm. out later on after we had him running around a couple of times in it. And I will preface this conversation with it was like 50 degrees in my house at the time I had my door open it was not warm at all because they can get overheated very very quickly Mm. and kind of those giant hamster balls and somebody had pointed out they call them the ball of death unfortunately because chinchillas overheat easily so that was okay that's gone um they had a couple of Mm. um plastic homes that they recommended mm-hmm. a plastic hay holder. And I found right. out quickly that is not something you should do. So thankfully Amazon was able to get some of those kind of metal parrot mm-hmm. bowls and we have them in those cage now, but I was able to correct the bat, the misinformation pretty quickly. It oh, was good. maybe, maybe a day or two. And then I went, Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Let's, let's get rid of that part. Yeah. Cause you did the right thing and you researched after you've, after you got them even so yep and facebook although facebook Mm -hmm. does have a lot of misinformation as well when it comes to things they are really good when it comes to those pets when you can find those groups oh yeah when they're the good groups yeah Yeah. (laughs) so this is a group of people are saying oh all those other people are crazy like some other groups do but yeah yeah we get that (laughs) in the reptile group quite a bit Mm. so that is a good um Transition, reptiles, what have you got? (sighs) Lots of different things. (laughs) I have um, a toke gecko. Yeah. I have a lizard that's called a lichanius gecko, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, but everybody calls Mm. them lychees, and they're very large, very soft lizards. I have a gargoyle gecko. I have two bearded dragons. I have snakes, uh, ball pythons mainly with a, I also have a milk snake and a two boa constrictors. 
And then the crowning jewel in the collection is the big jerk that lives in the (laughs) reptile room, who is a five and a half foot male iguana. His name is Bahamut. If anybody is familiar with video games and things out there, you know absolutely who Bahamut is, and he is a massive jerk. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I'd love to hear about anything you can share with any of those animals. (laughs) I'd love that. Yeah. Tell me, tell me. (laughs) Oh, where do I start? Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The prize jewel. The, pri- <laughs> the, uh, the crown jewel of the collection, Bahamut. Yes. yes. I actually, he is the third iguana that I've owned. Um, back in when I was much younger, I had a, a male iguana. His name was Sam, and he was the most docile lizard. You didn't even know he was pretty much a lizard. He was so docile. <laughs> He would go for walks with me. We'd drive around in the car. He'd stick his head out the window like a dog. He was just fascinating. We would take him to street fairs, farmer's markets to educate people. And of course, you have the parents that come up that see him and their little kid is like, I want one. No. And you can tell them maybe not. (laughs) It's going to take four years before it's even close to this. And you're going to hit the breeding period, which is where I'm at right now with Bahamut, where there can be a massive, massive attitude problem. Um, We actually adopted Bahamut. It will be, it was back in April of 2016. And he was roughly two and a half years old at the time. And a rescue um, that I actually adopted one of my cats from had posted him on the page and said, we know <laughs> nothing about these, this thing. We took it in. Somebody come adopt it. <laughs> I laughed. I said, I'm down. So I called them and they said, well, come on down and take a look at him. And we did. And they were asking me questions. Oh, what does he eat? They're vegetarians. They, eat, they like fruit. Okay. Oh. Well, do you feed them meat? No, you don't really want to feed a green iguana meat. They can't really digest animal protein. Mm-hmm. Will it eat animal protein in the wild? Absolutely. They'll eat anything they can, but that's not the best thing for them. I mean, okay. I can eat McDonald's every day, but it's not the best <laughs> thing for me. Yes. Yeah. So, it will eventually kill you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it turned out that when we adopted him, his original owners claimed he was a Chinese water dragon. Totally different type of lizard, totally different environment to a point, totally different diet. And they decided they no longer wanted him and they wanted a cat instead. And the the rescue said, well, you can leave the lizard with us, but you're not taking one of our cats. So I told them what I knew. And the lady said, cool, you want him, you can have him. So we brought him home. Took me about six months to get him to tolerate me. Okay. And that lasted a good two years. We we, presu- we presumed he was about two and a half years when we got him. Okay. And then the summer of when he might have turned about five, I started noticing some strange body language from him. He hit breeding mode oh. with a vengeance. Okay. <laughs> he hates me. Oh. Completely hates me. I walk into the Why? I walk by his cage. We haven't figured it out. Um, male iguanas during the breeding season are, it, it's vicious. When okay. uh, male and female mate, it is very vicious to the point that the female could actually be killed. Okay. Um, 
very violent. And so he either looks at me like I am obviously a female and I'm his girlfriend, or he sees me as an alpha and he wants to beat me up because he mm-hmm. thinks he's tougher than I am. Okay. I made okay. one mistake and thought I was quicker than him one time when I opened his cage. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And he raced down his tree branch, bit me on my thumb. I still have a scar from it. Made me mad because I'd just gotten my nails done. You ruined my <laughs> manicure. And then bit my arm. And of course, there was blood everywhere. And I just kind of yeah. went, all right, that's it. Um, obviously, we didn't get rid of him. He's my pet. Yeah. Even though he's a jerk and he hates me, he's my pet. So I purchased some very thick welding leather gloves. And when I hold him, that's what I put on. I put on those gloves and I hold him. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really tried to attack me. He will try to get to me through the glass doors, but obviously mm-hmm. he can't get through the glass. Um, yeah. But sometimes that's more territorial. And when I get him out, he kind of calms down a little bit. He's just not a big fan of me. My fiance, he can feed him. He's the one who feeds him every day. Mm-hmm. The iguana doesn't care, doesn't try to attack him or anything. I walk by the cage and it's immediately, hey, let's rumble. Is there a way you can make friends with iguanas or not? It's That's a difficult question because a lot of people in the reptile community, you really have two schools of thought. One, they think that the animal can be completely tamed. And then there's those people who laugh at the other camp. Um, (laughs) It's not really... People will swear, oh, but my lizard loves me. Does it love you or does it just tolerate you? You know, Mm. scientific studies have been done that lizards, reptiles in general, do not have the part of their brain that actually shows love. They just kind of understand that you're not going to hurt them. Okay. So they will tolerate you, but I don't think you could actually make them like you. And Iguanas in particular are pretty, as I like to say, bipolar. They, one moment, could be totally fine with you, and 10 seconds later, turn around and want to kill you for no reason at all, just because oh, the, you're there. Okay, their body language doesn't show up before they turn. Sometimes. sometimes. Okay, um, if you're my fiancé had the iguana out one time, and he was climbed up on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And iguanas like to be up high, and they will... You know, they don't like to, they'll attack kind of going down, like they're not going to jump up to try to attack something. And my fiance had him on his back shoulder and he had his head, you know, bent down a little bit. And I just looked at him and I said, don't do that. Take him off your shoulder. He goes, no, 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 it's fine. I said, no, take him down. I sat there and I watched the body language. The lizard kind of pulled his head back, almost did like a head spin and chomped down on the back of the neck. Oh, no. It oh. didn't didn't leave a scar, didn't oh, you know, lovely. it bled. Yeah. But no scars, no stitches. It was it was superficial to a point. I much less yeah. of a damage than what I had when he got my arm. But mm-hmm. I would just looked at him, I said, dude, I know. I told you he was gonna bite you. I mean, yeah. he's an iguana, of course <laughs> he's gonna bite you. <laughs> oh, I do love him though. Uh, we've been trying okay. to take him out in public more in, I have a big dog stroller that I put him in. Mm-hmm. He's completely enclosed. I have my leather gloves with me and we try to take him out for walks. Just, I'm hoping that 
getting out more, maybe he'll realize he doesn't need to be so territorial and so aggressive. Yeah, maybe. Hope so. <laughs> Wishful thinking in some cases. <laughs> uh, so are any of your snakes um, or other reptiles, um, I don't know, do you ever chill out with them, I guess? One of my other um, guests, she had a ball python and um, that just have them there in their hand or whatever, like all all day. <laughs> Yeah, and they like it. Yeah, the well, it's hard to say whether or not they actually like it. Um, I try not to stress them out too much. I do have some of them that I can hold without a problem, and some will just Mm -hmm. kind of chill out. Um, not really get defensive. I try not to take them out in public because that's a lot of stimulus for the snake. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of our snakes are more chill with me and then some of them are more chill with the fiance it's kind of odd how they almost pick and choose we have a we have one in particular her name is a and r and she is a black-eyed lucy so she's a leucistic so she's all white and she has her eyes are black there's blue-eyed lucys or blue-eyed leucistics and then there's a black-eyed leucistic and Hmm. her eyes are black with a red pupil when the flash is it's really cool Hmm. and she doesn't really like the fiance that much i'm not sure why when he opens up you know her container that she's in and she kind of curls up and strikes at him i can pick her up without a problem she never tries to attack me snakes will not snakes will not attack unless they feel threatened or they have a strong feeding response Mm -hmm. Uh, the only times i've been bitten is because i've not paid attention to the snake and the snake was kind of curled up giving me the look like "Mm." back it up woman i don't know what you I don't know what you're doing don't know what your plans are but you need to back it up uh, so the only time a reptile person like a snake owner would actually get it bit is because of a feeding response or because of they're being defensive and you just didn't pay attention to their body language and you, you learn after a while I, i've been nipped at it's not i mean the the Biggest injury I've ever had from one of my snakes biting me was actually not from the bite, but when they constricted around my finger thinking oh. it was food. And that was it. Okay. How did that injure you? Was it a bruise or? A bruise. Just a okay. bruise. Yep. He, I, and it was my fault. I had picked up a mouse out of a cage one of the snakes didn't eat. And stupid me did not clean my hands off in between. So I had the scent of mouse on my hand. Right. And I went in and I was talking to my reticulated python. We opened up the container and I was like, oh, hi, sweetie. He lunged and grabbed my hand and I freaked out. I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? I tried to put hand sanitizer near his face to let him drop. Wouldn't work. I'm standing there. My fiance was filming because, you know, we were trying to film the snake. And I'm like, oh, my God, turn off that video. And then I thought. (laughs) well, that's stupid. The bathroom's right over there. So I ran into the bathroom, turned on the cold water in the bathtub, stuck my hand under it. The water hit the snake's head. He dropped instantly and that was it. Oh, okay. They don't like water. No, nope. I mean, they'll, they'll lay in water, but they don't like to be sprayed with it. Okay. Um, well, that's good to know. Like that. Yeah. Good to know that they will drop you if they get cold water. Cause yeah. Yep. Exactly. Hmm. That's good. Um, yeah. Cause they're, f- They've bitten you, so their fangs are curving, so they don't want to 
you don't want to hurt them, right? So. Exactly. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to rip your hand out of their mouth, obviously. And some of them mm-hmm. have a pretty strong bite. And if, if you do pull your hand, I mean, obviously it's going to rip up your skin too. So yeah. you don't want to do that. No. Um, you know, you've been bit and then you see like little teeth marks and it's kind of funny, but it, huh. it seems putting the, the couple of times that I have been bit, which isn't very often, thank goodness. Some of them kind of do the little, I'm going to nip at you. And so they'll like strike at you like they nip, but they actually connect. But it's literally a quick, like half a second bite on your hand and it doesn't even bleed or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of times when they've actually kind of constricted around the finger, putting the snake under the water faucet because of the, I guess, just the water coming down on their head. It Because they'll, they'll sleep, swim in the bathtub. They'll swim oh. in their water bowl. So if you put their head under the water with the water, like the faucet coming down, they usually tend to drop pretty quickly. Hmm. Um, so do they, do you put them in the bath for like enrichment or anything or is it, do they need enrichment? <laughs> no, not really. No. I mean, some of them do. Uh, snakes are, you know, different personalities. Okay. If you could call it a personality. Uh, when you, when we would put them in is because unfortunately they would have snake mites. And so we would put um, them in a container with a little bit of uh, Dawn soap and water to let them soak and kill off the mites. It, it happens. It It's unbelievable that I can go to a reptile show and accidentally transfer mites. It's pretty much like fleas mm-hmm. for cats and dogs. Yep. And there's really not, any real medicine that you can give the snake. Um, Some people use frontline and Mm -hmm. will kind of put it on the outside of the snake. If it's an older snake, there's a reptile spray that you can spray them with, but it's not like I can give them a flea medication orally or on the back of their neck, like you do for a cat. And that wouldn't Mm. stop it. So we've had to put them in the bathtub or if they've made a particular mess in their cage and Yep. are a little messy and okay yeah you're gonna need to take a bath to clean off just a little bit you just let them soak in the water and them nice yeah or <laughs> other bodily functions yeah hmm. um so i've been looking at pictures of ball pythons since i had that previous guest and i didn't ask them but when you look at a picture of a ball python their face has like these little indents on it what is that because i haven't seen that before in are snakes. you when you say the indents, where like on their face, like they the look little, like like the little nose holes. Are they all nose holes? Yeah, I think so. Ah, okay. Like they've got eight nostrils here. Oh, those. Yeah, hold on. Um, are those? I was just wondering if you knew what they are. That might be the heat pit on the snake. If that's what you. Oh, yes. Okay. On their face, yeah. like above their mouth. Yes, there's like um. They have them on the side of their jaw as well and oh. on the top. And those are the heat pits. Okay. So they can so, sense heat. Right. Okay. Do lots of pythons have that and I just haven't noticed? Or they all Actually, all snakes have them, I do believe. Oh. I don't know of any of them. It's kind of like an infrared sensing for them. So it's like hmm. they can see the radiant heat and stuff like that um, through those. Um, it's... Because, yeah, my, yeah, no, they all have them because even my milk snake has them. They're just okay. very small in some cases. They must and, be and, small ones. That and I how often at. do you get up face-to-face with the ball python? 
well, I've never got face to face with the ball python because they're American and we can't yeah. have American snakes here. But I have, I have held um, more recently a um, some Australian pythons at a, um, I guess it's a reptile show that I went to in Kangaroo Island, and that were was they good. Carpet, were they carpet pythons? Some of them, or children's pythons. That was another oh, yes. one. Yeah. And I couldn't see, or most of them, I couldn't see the little indents, but on some I could. And I was like, well, what are they? So, um. Yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. do have them. They're like cool. their heat, heat sensing organs. Hmm. That's good to know. All right. And they've got nostrils as well. <laughs> I, silly question, but. It's kind um. of, yeah, it's all that kind of. I, I, I'm not as up to date on the, or I, I shouldn't say that. I should say I'm not as knowledgeable about all the internal workings right. of the snake. Mm-hmm. Just that they need heat and food and they actually don't eat that often, which when you have an, a full grown, for example, like a full grown boa constrictor or a full grown um, reticulated python, they actually only will eat something the size of a bunny rabbit maybe once a month and that's it. Huh. I did know that one, but maybe listeners don't. Um, so what's something people may not know about snakes that you could share? That I mean, I don't they're, know much, so it's pretty easy. <laughs> pretty easy to answer that question. That they are not as scary as you think they are. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid of them because they don't quite understand snakes. Uh, going back to the Bible with Adam and Eve and the serpent, um, you know, living in Southern California and the desert area, it's always, oh, rattlesnakes, you know, be, you know, Mm -hmm. be afraid of them. And honestly, the snakes are more afraid of you than you are of them. Um, Ball pythons are in particular, people get very scared of them, but they are literally like pet rocks. They just kind of lay there. I think they sound pretty safe, but I wouldn't want to come up against a rattlesnake in the wild if it was upset. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. I, no, none thinking. of my snakes, yeah, none of my snakes are hot. That's what they consider those that are um, venomous. Yeah. They call them hots, and we do not keep, we don't keep any of those. I do know people yeah. who do, but no, uh-uh, mm. not ever going to that, not going that route. No, and I think people maybe have trouble um, mentally distinguishing between them. They just react because it's a yeah. snake, and so it must be trying to kill me. So yeah. even and, and even though logically they know that this is a pet snake and it is a python, um, it's just reaction. Yeah, I, I think that just a lot of people don't. They don't understand that they are not as scary as as they think they are. Mm-hmm. Pet <laughs> I just can't find that because Australia is like a uh, snake. Well, okay. Um. Now we're talking about snakes here in Australia. Totally different situation. <laughs> <laughs> We've got pet ones too. Uh, I think it's just like a natural evolution of humanity to avoid yeah. snakes because yeah. you don't know the difference until you're trained at it so exactly avoid avoid (laughs) i mean based on the color of the snake if i see it running out you know slithering down (laughs) my driveway i'm not going to go running out there and going snake no but if you can't tell the difference like from a distance it's better exactly avoid yeah Yeah. (laughs) so very few people die from snake bites here because we have antivenoms so and and yeah and we have that here too it's just 
Yeah, I mean, it's scary. It's scary. You, but, um, yeah, you don't want to scare them. Pet ones, pet ones are fine. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what kind of person would you recommend gets a snake? What kind of person would they have to be to have one? Anybody actually could get okay. one and take care of it. Um, in reality, they're not as high maintenance as some people think. Oh. And they, I mean, they're fascinating. I, I think one of the most fascinating things about them is particularly in ball pythons, you know, you have everything that's called a ball python or they're also called royal pythons. Mm-hmm. It's it's huge group. I mean, there are so many different looks and genetic makeups of these snakes. I mean, we have some babies that we produced from a uh, male and female that we had. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was going to pair these two up. And there is a great website that you can actually kind of put in the genetic makeup of your snakes and kind of get an idea of what the genetics of the offspring would be. Right. We did it just as a test with these two. And there was like 41 different genetic combinations we could come up with. It was ridiculous. We had six snakes, three of them looked just like the mother with the coloring of the father. Mm-hmm. And they were all boys. And then we had three females. Unfortunately, sadly, those they've all passed, which happens in the world. Um, but those three females looked absolutely nothing like the male, the mom or the dad. Absolutely huh. nothing. Completely d- different coloring, different pattern. And I just thought that was so fascinating to see how you could get from the same clutch and the same parents six Mm. snakes that pretty much looked each one looked different it's almost like with cats (laughs) i would like to have seen um the grandparents maybe and see if there's a connection there how far back it goes exactly Mm. (laughs) um yes so is breeding something you'd recommend or not no no i do not i i don't recommend breeding unless you are fully prepared to handle it all mm-hmm. um breeding the two snakes you know breeding snakes the snakes it may not be difficult to breed but you have to also understand that when the babies hatch you have to make sure you have the cage for them you know yeah. the, whether you use a rack system or whether you have a terrarium of some sort or a cage you have to have the space you have to understand that if you're trying to get in if you're trying to get into it for the money don't <laughs> Honestly, Uh, don't, because I have seen some breeders that have babies that have hatched and they've never been able to sell them because nobody wants to buy them. So I have to be prepared to keep them forever. Yeah, exactly. If I was honestly going to do, well, let me start that again. My dream that I would love to do would be at least a five-year project and it would be to um, be able to reproduce something called a panda pied mm-hmm. and a pied snake a piebald is a snake that has some sort of a pattern but also a lot of white there's low pie low white pieds high white pieds but a panda pied is literally what it sounds like it looks like a panda bear it is black and white mm-hmm. 
Doesn't have like spots over the eyes or anything? No, not like that. They just, different patterns. You know, it's not like you could actually, yeah, you couldn't actually get the pattern to do what you want it to do, but it, different, you know, they look like cow, cow spots, you know, they have the cow, Mm. cow markings. And I would love to do that, but it is a long, arduous journey. Um, you end up having to create a specific breed of snake. I believe it's a um, a super cinnamon. But if you sometimes those when they're born, they have duckbill issues and they can't eat, and so they're oh. deformed. So there's a lot in the snake in the genetics that you have to watch out for, and it mm-hmm. it would literally be a five year or more project to do. And I would love to do something like that. But I don't know if I would have, if I could call the ones that would need to be, unfortunately, yeah, gotten rid of because of their deformities. So, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it would be something, I don't want to say fun, but it would be fascinating from a scientific point of view to see, to go through that. I doubt I ever will. But there are people out there who have been trying, and there are a couple of them, and they go for a pretty penny if you can actually produce one. It sounds like some sort of computer game, really. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you have to have this, and then that happens, and then you breathe these two exactly. Together. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I'd like, I'd actually quite like that sort of game, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I think know, that okay. <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to play a game called Creatures back in like I don't know two thousand. It was sort of like that. Reminds reminds me of that. Um. So is there anything you'd like to share about your other reptiles that um, aren't snakes, I guess, so your geckos? Um, sure. I have uh, a toke gecko, and they are primarily in, I believe it's Vietnam, and they have an interesting mating call. It sounds like it's their name. They almost sound like they're a Pokemon. <laughs> and... They are actually, and you cannot quote me on this because I'm not positive, but I think they are one of the only reptile species, or I should say lizard species, that the male will take care of the young. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, and not a lot of lizards do that. Usually if you have like crested geckos that have laid eggs, um, when they've hatched, you really want to get the babies out of there because the males will eat them. Is it okay. unusual for even females to look after babies or is it not? Have I got that it, wrong? It's not that they, well, I shouldn't say take care of the babies. Um, the females not will kill. lay the eggs. <laughs> well, yeah, they won't kill, but it's not like they're actually going to take care of them. Yeah. They won't attack them if they hatch, if one of them hatches and it's a male and the other one hatches oh. it's female. The, the mother doesn't really go after them, but the father okay. can do that. Right. And so the toke geckos actually keep, the eggs warm both the male and the female will keep the eggs warm Mm. if they need to they will um you can actually leave the babies in for a while with both parents uh you know eventually you do want to take them out because if there is a male in there they will fight after a while but the male toke will actually help the mother kind of keep the eggs warm and they do kind of look after their eggs which i Mm. thought was pretty fascinating since most of them don't seem to care that is really fascinating that they um in a partnership there. Yeah. And we did have a female and a male, and she had laid some eggs, but I don't think they were fertile. Right. Um, we still have him. His name is Geralt, and he lives in a bioactive cage. It has plants growing in it, so it almost 
it's a lot like his natural environment and we mm-hmm. feed him bugs. Occasionally he will eat um, pinky mice. Oh. Not often, but occasionally we do give it to him. Mm-hmm. And we're lucky if we see him. And that's oh, okay. usually how it is with the lizard. It, you know, it's a happy lizard if you rarely see him. Okay. Um, he's more active at night and early morning. Um, we've never got to hear him make a call. He does kind of do some barking sounds, but he's mm-hmm. never done the toke call, which makes me kind of sad. And for anybody out there listening, check it out. It's fascinating listening to their their call because it sounds like they're saying toke. Mm. Pokemon style. <laughs> like it um and the one that looks big and with a sort of velvety body Um, what uh, tell me about that one he is a lichanius gecko they um you know humid not too hot he eats what's called pangea which is kind of you can buy it from amazon and it comes in different flavors and it's a powder that you mix with water Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the consistency of baby food. And that's what he eats. He will eat some bugs. Um, occasionally, he's not really big on bugs. Some will eat a lot of them. But he just kind of chills in his cage and hides. He blends hmm. in very well sometimes. Yeah. I was just surprised by how big he was. I thought geckos were usually smaller. So. <laughs> yeah, he's he's quite large. He's probably he's bigger than my hand, but he's very soft. Um, not scaly like you would think most lizards are. No. Yeah. Strange. I think people should look up a picture of that one too. But yes. Up to his them, name obviously. is his name is Sir Chunks. <laughs> and he just kind of chills out in his cage. Great. <laughs> um oh, another question I was gonna ask was would it you recommend any of these to children or not? Um if <laughs> Children, no. I I honestly do not recommend any children getting any pets. And before Mm -hmm. anybody gets angry about that, I'm going to basically put a caveat. You should never get a child a pet unless the parents are willing to take care of it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Because that happens quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Kids get distracted. Exactly. And I do not suggest, uh, specifically with the iguana, I do not suggest anybody getting an iguana, even though I have one. They are temperamental. They can be a pain. If um, a child wants a relatively easy lizard to take care of, a leopard gecko is a good kind of starter lizard. Okay. They're not that difficult to take care of. Uh, Bearded dragons are also really good. They have a little more personality, in my opinion, than a leopard gecko. Um. Lichanius geckos, the lychee based on cost, what it costs to actually get one. I don't suggest it for a child at all. Some of these are more, they're not as hardy as Mm -hmm. some of the other ones. A bearded dragon and Leo would honestly, in my opinion, be a better starter lizard if a parent wanted to get one. But again, they need to be prepared with the right cage and the right environment. You have to have the right substrate, the right food, the right lighting. They have to have heat. They have to be able to have a UVB bulb in there for their calcium and, and things Mm. like that. There's, it's funny. There's a lot more involved in keeping reptiles than you would think. Yeah. And lots of people see again, something cute in the shop and they're like, I'll have that. Thanks. 
So where would you recommend people go to find information about reptiles before they get it? Right, where's a good place to go? The internet, obviously, is a great okay, place. Okay, any particular places on the internet is what I'm thinking of because, as we know, some of them are dodgy. Yes, <laughs> some of them are very <laughs> dodgy. Um, gosh, um, in regards to lizards, I know Facebook sometimes isn't the best to go to for your information, but there's a lot of really good groups. I, I tend to belong to a couple of I, – I don't keep myself into one group. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to go into a bunch of the different groups, especially like I'm in probably three or four different ball Python groups. A lot of them will have files set up. Um, I would honestly look at information that a veterinarian hospital or teaching college would have on an animal. Um, there's quite a bit of, you know, papers that are done by different colleges and things like that. Um, it's just, it's kind of difficult. It, it's almost like you need to take the information from a def- couple of different sources, mm. put it together and be like, okay, this one, column A, this is what this person says. Column B, this person says this. Column C, this person says that. And then kind of look for what matches. Um, mm-hmm. And And the information is always evolving. I remember when I first had my iguana, um, my original one, Sammy, the information I had, obviously this was back before the internet, <clears throat> that's how old I am. <laughs> the information that you had was not as great as it is now. Like people would no. suggest using a heat pad or a heat rock. Well, years years later, we now realize that, for example, the iguana actually cannot feel they feel the heat on their belly but they they don't have like almost like a sensor in their belly to know that uh, this is too hot you need to get off of it and they have gotten burns from laying Mm. on heating pads or heat rocks um you know it's it's better to have an overhead heat bulb because they have what's kind of like a third eye on the top of their head and that's kind of where their heat sensor is so it's a really good thing to kind of go through um Going to reptile shows, I really suggest if you can get to a reptile show, go and talk to the breeders, find out what information, like, you know, a crested gecko doesn't really need heat. They need to be kept at a cooler temperature, you know, so Hmm. talking to the breeders themselves who are keeping these, especially ones that have been in business for years, is a great resource for people to find out about these different creatures. Good tips. <laughs> um, Sorry, that was a little long-winded. <laughs> no, no, that was good. And I don't know how to word this, but what bothers me about the pet world is that there's so much information and you look at it and you go, okay, so all these people say that this is fine, this activity here is good. But then there'll be one outlier that says, actually, all these people are wrong, this is the best way to do it. And sometimes I have to believe the one because sometimes exactly. they like, you know, they might have a document or something that shows actually like ferrets shouldn't be doing this or, you know, lizards shouldn't be doing whatever. Um, it's very, very hard to balance it all out. And sometimes there's so many and they all say, definitely do this. And it's like, no, you idiots. You're all of you. <laughs> like you're all getting yeah. all the information. Like, yeah, so hard yeah. to tell. That is, you know, there there are some really great resources out there for the different types of lizards and things like that. And that's why I like going into the different Facebook mm-hmm. groups and seeing what people say and 
finding out the information, but I, a huge tip, do the research before you just jump and get it because you may not be prepared. You know, I, I've had people who come into some of these iguana groups and they're like, oh, I just got this guy. He doesn't like me. How do I make him like me? Oh, no. You kind of don't, you know, you have to just kind of deal with the attitude. They're not, they're not a cat and dog. They don't have the same yeah. thought processes as a cat and dog. And so mm -hmm. it's not that the animal likes you. It's not that the animal hates you. The animal is just being an animal and it's an exotic yeah. animal. Um, finding, uh, finding an exotic vet that can see your animal. Oh yeah. That's a big very, one very important. I'm lucky to be, um, in an area where we have two vets. Um, I have one, I technically three vets. One, she's not specialized. She doesn't specialize exactly in exotic. She's not listed as an exotic vet, but she mm -hmm. does see like the chinchilla and the reptiles if something happens. Um, but we have a really good exotic vet nearby, but to get them in, unless it's a huge emergency, It'll be six months before you can get them in. They're they're booked uh, up because there's not a lot of them out there. Um, no, that's not. My, yeah, I yeah. the vet that sees my cats has told me if you have an emergency and it's something like the iguana has broken off part of his tail, I can absolutely treat that. Wrap mm -hmm. it up, clean it. You know, um, a claws ripped out. Yes, I can help you take care of that. If it's anything more in depth, they would not want to treat it. They would want an mm. exotic vet to see the animal. But low level, I, I shouldn't say low level because it may not be low level to you or the animal, but something like the tail breaking off, you know, something like that, which can happen. That my local vet said they can treat that. It's, you know, clean it up. But if there was worms or something else that needed, you know, yeah. parasites in the iguana, they wouldn't be able to do that because they wouldn't know exactly what to test for or what to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The blood testing or specific anatomy issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So many people unfortunately have horrible incidents happen because of taking it to a vet that didn't know what they were doing and they tried their best, but you know, it wasn't right. So. So it's yeah. best to find the vet that can at least help. Yes. But can absolutely stand there and say, no, this is beyond my scope. I could not even begin mm. to help you, but let me try to find somebody who can. Yeah. I wish more vets would do that. Ask saying, or asking for a second opinion, like say, I'll just go and check with a colleague who I know, you know, from vet school or whatever. Exactly. Um, you listen to say, I'll give them a call. I really wish they'd do that. But yep. anyway. <laughs> I could go on a full episode right now about that. Enough um, preaching on that route. <laughs> yes, I'm hoping everyone listening to this is already doing it. Um, so did you have something that you'd like to promote or not? Um, not that I can think of. Uh, the fine. only thing I could think about would be get involved politically if you can in regards to some of the bills that are coming out, specifically mm. like the Lacey Act here in the United States where – it's a very overreaching, very broad definition of what an exotic animal is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, a lot of breeders are not going to be able to cross state lines to be able to come out and promote their snakes. If you move across state lines, I may not be able to take my animals with me because of it. Uh, it's mm. a very broad, very overreaching kind of umbrella. Um, I Unfortunately, 
cannot tell you that I have kept up with it as well as I should, you know, as well as I should. A lot of the groups have been quiet about it. I know uh, USARC, um, the United States Association of Reptile Keepers, I think is the mm. um, acronym, full name of it. They are very up on that kind of, you know, those kind of things. And they do a lot I've of lobbying <laughs> for it. Yeah, you, you've probably seen links if you're around any of these exotic groups. So. Yeah. I guess, yeah. and one more thing to promote, mm-hmm. do your research. <laughs> do the research. Just don't don't impulse buy like I did with the chinchilla. But at least I knew some of the things it needed. Yeah, exactly. And I've been there too. <laughs> Definitely, I've been there. And pre-internet, I've been there for sure. Yep. Because I just listened to what the vet and the um, and the pet shop told me, and it turns out it was wrong. So Yep, exactly. Whoops. <laughs> Regret. But I was 10 yeah. years old. I can't really be blamed. <laughs> you were 10 I think you're forgiven by now I think I think yeah I think I'm forgiven I I got a rat and there was only one rat instead of getting a group of rats which was uh, what you're meant to do apparently but yes they need to be in a group didn't know that did not know that I just knew they needed socialization so I was the socialization um (laughs) I think she was a happy rat anyway um so last question, because I know that you like to game. Are there any games that you know of which have pets in them that are good that you like? Just I can um, cut it if there's not. <laughs> I, you know, I, I play World of Warcraft uh-huh. and they have pet battles. You know, they do their own Pokemon thing. I play Pokemon <laughs> Go. Um, Pokemon Go is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I, not that I can think of. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big RPG player. Mm. So sometimes they have little pets with you, but other than that, I mean, um, Ashes of Creation is that one. I think that one's coming out, and that has pets. I think I'm not mm. sure. I just know Ooh. it looked cool. Well, that's all right. Anyway, it sounds good. Um, <laughs> and the Pokemon stuff—that's also—that's always a good <clears throat> pretend pet thing. Though you have to battle your pets together, but that's yeah, that's not always the best. Ethics. Uh, Ethics we are not promoting um, pet fighting rings or anything like that. <laughs> Strictly <No>. on games. <laughs> and apparently, the Pokemon like it. So yeah, exactly. I don't understand it, but sure. No, I don't get it either. <laughs> I like playing the card game, so that's good. Yep. Anyway, thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, I hope that everyone's learned something new so thank you very much thank you for having me i i loved it yeah i loved it too thanks i'll see you online bye bye thanks for listening everyone if you'd like a bit of bonus content um come on over to the membership program because jennifer has given me an extra little um little story to put on the bonus episodes i will talk to you next week 